Blog Talk Radio. Patrick Topping coming to you live on BCI Radio, the radio show that apparently can't beat the Rock Chalk podcast. Um, so, um, sorry for um, having this podcast up a little bit late um, on Wednesday evening when we usually um, do this show. Um, my phone um, just all of a sudden. Uh, decided to start showing like green stuff, um, which was obviously not good. So I had to spend uh, my night at the AT&T in Athens, uh, which was a great use of my time. I am so happy that I was there, um, but obviously we couldn't do the shows, but we're here. Um, so once again, coming to you live from the classic city, Athens, Georgia, this is Arthur Balin. And coming to you from, I believe, Memphis, Tennessee, the immortal Patrick Toppin. Yeah, apparently it's called the Bluff City, or the home of the blues. So we've got a lot of options for nicknames. Have you had any barbecue yet? Just actually got back from Central Barbecue over in Midtown. Um, it was delicious. Uh, yeah, I knew that like that was the first thing that I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, all of us, I'm here with, you know, my parents. And so the reason I'm here, people wondering why, if you think that it's weird that Patrick has been in a lot of different places. I just got back from Boston. Um, the reason I'm here is because both of my parents, if you know anything about me, are UC Berkeley alums. And this weekend on Saturday, 23rd ranked Cal travels to the state of Mississippi to take on old. And I'll be honest, I don't really have any other reasons to ever go to Ole Miss. And it's a famous tailgating spot. The Grove is supposed to be lovely. But about three years ago when this game was announced, I was like, I told my parents, I was like, we have to go. So, uh, you know, let's get it. Um, great barbecue. Hoping to get some, some good places in. The barbecue shop is next on my list. Um, good ribs. Definitely different than what I've had back home. Definitely different than some, some Texas style. It's a lot drier, or not, you know, not sauce. So, you know, there's some quality barbecue. I'm excited to be here. And uh, I'm excited. So let's talk yeah. some football. Because, uh, yeah. I'll be so I have here on my notes, um, Arthur, am I allowed to, uh, to swear on this? Um, well, I haven't marked this as PG-13, so try to keep them to a minimum. But we'll be, we um, will be informing our affiliates that there's a sec, that they're, they may, might need to run their seven-second delays. Yeah, um, I just have here in my notes, as I rewatch the game, what in the f- happened? Um, because 
I can only describe pretty unequivocally the worst game in the Steve and Dazio era, both in terms of pretty much from end to end. Um, it was worse than Wake 3-0. It was worse than FSU and Purdue last year. It was worse than both the pinstripe bowls. It was the worst loss I've ever seen because I've seen good teams get upset and I've seen, you know, bad teams play poorly, but I've never seen a team that was supposed to win get so thoroughly beaten and made to look like they don't know how to play football. Yeah. I mean, candidly, um, you know, when the when the game ended and I was looking to do the show this week, I am up when I was getting ready for the show. I think I had a mixture of emotions because um, there's a part of me, um, the radio host, who, you know, kind of went into this radio show with a little bit of um, maybe I, I don't know if excitement's the right word, but like it's definitely would be it was going to be a different show than last week where, you know, t- to be honest, I think we. Uh, we were talking about Richmond, and like there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Um, th- that's not the case here, so I think we definitely it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting show. Um, so definitely stick around. Um, but uh, the other part of me was uh, kind of distraught um, because you know here's the deal: um, the, the justification for Steve Dazio and keeping Steve Dazio after the struggles he's had. Uh, has been that um, he was going to leave the program in a better place when his time was up. Um, And that was the reason we have accepted the seven-win seasons. It's the reason we've accepted all all the frustrations. And it's the reason we've we've, we've kind of just accepted all of this. I'm not convinced right now that BC is in a better place that that they were when – when Saziani um, took over the team. I, I don't know if I would go that far, but there was a significant amount of setback that this team suffered because of this game. I don't think there's any other way to put it. BC became a national laughingstock, and I don't want to listen to people say, oh, you're playing Les Miles, like, like Les Miles is good. Or, or, I, I know how good a, a coach Les Miles is, but this is still a Kansas team that lost to Coastal Carolina the week before they played BC. So this is not a good Kansas team. I don't care what you say. This is a bad Kansas team that BC got embarrassed by. This team was not ready. It, it was a joke of a game. Um, we certainly have a lot to talk about, but um, just like right off the start, I, 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 I'm, I'm distraught. I'm heartbroken. Um, it, feels, it feels like this, this season's over, um, and I'm not, entirely, I'm not entirely convinced I'm wrong about that. Um, and all in all, it's just – it's unacceptable. And it's, it's – it, if Martin Jarman, um, like who was sort of touting uh, Steve Adazio's success, successes during the broadcast, um, if his ears and his eyes didn't perk up during that game, um, then there, he needs to take a good hard look at the mirror. A couple of views on it. Um, it is a – awful loss. I don't think there's any other way to put it, and I don't think there's any sort of way to say... So there's no way to sort of say... There's no way to sort of assuage the fears that this is a terrible loss. I also want to say that 
and remind everyone it's one game. And teams have had inexplicable, horrifying losses before. But not like this, though. Like, that, that, that's the thing. But no, no, no. Teams get, you know, not all the time, but enough teams have gotten bloat, like, just thoroughly, like, walloped by inferior, I don't know if you can say that anymore, teams. But I'll also say that, like, when I look at this game, and as I go through sort of as I was watching the tape, and I was looking at the highlights, and I was just looking at, like, what happened. Trying to figure out, like, what went wrong. Um, I basically had a nice... Well, I guess last week we said that PC would... The only way the PC would lose is basically if they imploded. Um, and I would have thought there would have been more turnovers, but the way I look at it is basically BC played a quarter of a game. They played solid first, a good first half offense. I was, I enjoyed the good, the first half offense and first half defense, second half offense and second half defense just didn't exist. Um, as I look over here, I mean, let's start with the good because there's a lot of bad we can pile on top of it. Um, BC came out of the gates really, really, really good. Um, they got an interception that wasn't that was just a mistake by Stanley Carter. They were doing what they needed to do. Um, they were scoring points, not necessarily at will, but they were putting. I mean, they points in the first half. I think if you would ask me last week, you said, "Hey, BC is going to put up, you know." over two touchdowns, over three touchdowns in the first half, I would be like, oh, yeah, like, I would absolutely take that offensively, right, if you gave me no other context to it, um, right? Two, in my opinion, really good throws. You had a great completion to Hunter Long. Um, I like the call of the double reverse. Uh, wide receiver pass to Brown. I thought I showed that. It was BC looked fine. They looked like they'd been but at that point in the game, basically going into halftime. It looked like Rather, not in the halftime. Scored to make it 24-21. It looked like that BC had been punched in the gut, but was sort of starting to stabilize. And it was like, all right, like we clearly, because they clearly came out of the gate not ready to play. Um, and that's 100% on Steve Adazio. That's on the coaching staff. Um, so I'm Bill, that's on Steve and Bill Sheridan, in my opinion, above all else. But basically, once. Herbert busts out a 90-yard run on a toss sweep where he made just one cut with, like, 40 seconds left in the half. Um, Like, that was it. Because then Kansas proceeded to run that play multiple more times and averaged, like, 40 yards of carry on it. It was disgusting. Um, Right? And I think it showed that there's a serious lack of coaching in the defense right now. Um, so I said, like, you know, first half offense I was pretty pleased with. I thought Anthony Brown and A.J. Dillon looked good. They looked like sort of what you expected out of them. Kobe White made some good catches. Um, they spread the ball around. Arthur, to me, this game is on the defense. Um, you let Kansas score 48 points. And unlike the previous couple of weeks where, you know, the defense, you can sort of say, hey, man, like, you know, BC went three and out on a 27-second possession. There wasn't any rest. The 
BC defense was just getting long chunk plays every single time. Like, it was absolutely unforgivable. Um, it seemed like the linebackers were had completely forgotten how to play defense, play pass, at least play in the passing game. Um, they bit on every single pump fake. They bit on every single play action. They did not stick to their assigned gaps. It was just a disaster end to end. And the secondary, we all know, was sort of young. And I think this game really exposed them and sort of said, like, hey, maybe just Josh Jackson. Oh, I know. Who's the quarterback for Virginia Tech? Um, I know we talked about him. Um... Yeah, whatever. The previous quarterbacks that you've played weren't that good, right? Here was a mediocre quarterback in Carter Stanley um, tearing you apart. All game. And then once he got going, it was like they were on the back foot, and all of a sudden, you know, Williams and Herbert were just gashing them for seemingly nine. I mean, they averaged nine and a half yards a carry, right? There's no way you win a game allowing that. And then after halftime, it seemed like they sort of were like, holy shit, we did not expect to be in this situation, and they just sort of gave up. Yeah, um, by the way, uh, excuse me, the, the player we're talking about is uh, Ryan Willis. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the quarterback. Um, but just a quick aside, and we'll, we'll get to Rutgers in a little bit, but I, I do want to make the point, uh, I, I think you, you kind of alluded to, you know, um, you know, looking at Kansas as an inferior opponent. BC needs to stop doing that as of right now, as of last Friday. Um, because they they just proved that they can't they can't let any opponent um, um, sort of take advantage of them. Uh, I, I just looked up VC and Rutgers uh, are like almost a dead even fifty fifty uh, split on pro- win probability. So um, if VC comes into uh, uh, Piscataway the way they did um, last Friday, um, they will lose. Uh, there's and there's no doubt in my mind that will happen. Um, Going back to what you said, I, I definitely I would tend to agree with you. I definitely think it's on a defense. Um, I don't think there's any way you can um, sort of mitigate that point, but I think there's a plenty of blame to go around. I, I think just generally the team just did not play well. I think the offense was kind of hamstrung by some 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 play calling. Um, we can definitely talk about sort of how they were how the game was called down down the stretch. There's one play in particular. Um, there's like a fourth and one, and they decided to send AJ Dillon up again, up the gut for the billionth time, and it worked just as well as, as it as it did the other like 999 million times. Um, but the, the defense definitely got exposed, um, and it got exposed not only as being um, sort of inferior and having some gaps, it, it got exposed uh, in a way where it questioned you question. Uh, what the game plan w- was and what level preparation was there because clearly it was not adequate to even put up any resistance. Um, you know, like you, you mentioned those big chunk plays, BC did not put up any resistance at all um, throughout most of the game. And uh, it looked like it was a, like Kansas can move the ball at will um, when they wanted to. Um, so, um, just a ton of blame to go around on the defense. Um, but again, I, I think 
we have to sort of we can't just say like it's just the defense. There's a ton of blame to go around here. But I am all right. So I am willing to put this mostly on the defense because when I look, the more I look at it, the more I just see like, oh, right, so the linebackers got beaten all day in coverage. There were a lot of completions that were like right over the middle, and that is John Lamott and Co's response. Um, and the second, all right, and the secondary looked like it had forgotten how to tackle, and a lot of the times it sort of was like sort of in their own world. They're on the 80-yard run to at the end of the first half, um, when it looked like BC was gonna t- like walking to halftime with the lead, sort of group. Um, and they bust out like an 80, 70 yard run. Like many Alatrock is running with his man, trying to cover him 50 yards downfield. He never looks back to see whether or not it was a run play. Um, it is for, it is maybe the most interesting thing I've seen on a football field in a very long time. And I've seen some pretty humiliating, embarrassing performances in my time. That's like that. So to me, Basically, the game started, the offense came out and did its thing. The defense just sort of devolved into chaos. And I think that spread to the offense. There's a play in the third quarter um, where they're down 38-24, and it was, I think it was like third and six, something like that. And I think it was the moment almost started to be too big for the offense where uh, the defensive tackle blows by John Phillips at left at right guard so fast that it looks like John Phillips forgot how to block for a second. Like he gets beat with like a little punch of the hands and then you just sort of jog. And all of a sudden Anthony Brown is forced to scramble out of the pocket and make a throw across his bar- body to a single covered Kobe white and hope for the best. Um, like by the end, it was a complete disaster for BC. But to me, I look at this, and I'm just like, this is the defense needs to play more discipline. And this was, I think, that's a reflection of just coaching. Um, defensive coaching was just not, they did not have their guys ready to take on Kansas. Um, and I think that if defense is to improve, there has to be a lot more discipline in the couple of weeks there needs to be improvement in discipline each week if BC wants to have any hope of doing much of anything um, in conference because it just seemed like they were a mixture of sort of defensive play call there were instances where like the defensive line had their ears pinned back on what appeared to be were like pretty obvious running downs um, right where you had your outside defensive lineman, you know, six yards in the backfield, but on first and 10, and it was a, they just ran the ball, right? And it was a 10-yard game. Um, it was just, it was bad, man. Um, and by the end, I think it had just spread everywhere. Like, there were instances where Anthony Brown was making the right decision, but a second and a half too late. Um and then he sort of double clutches and then throws the ball and by then the window's closed and he's covered. You could say, hey, 
I th- like I watching that, I was like, I see what you saw there, and I understand why you made that throw, but you need to not hesitate. You need to turn. And by the end, it was just clear that this team had been absolutely shattered. And that's fair because you just got your ass kicked by Kansas. Um, and I think this is the week at Rutgers where we see what BC is made of. Not in the sense that like, oh, BC needs to win this game, but personally, BC needs to win. If BC wants to prove that last week was a fluke, right? And like a they got to quit punt Rutgers into the sun. Yeah, they need to. They need to winning's not enough. It needs to be a win by at least. Uh, I'd say 14 to 17 points for me to consider it a success. Not even like a like a good win, but just like a basic success would be a two-score win. Um, if you want to prove that last week was a mistake and not just who you actually are. And I'll give I give credit to Sounds like you're breaking up there a little bit. One, one thing I, I do want to say um, is that um, game credit where credit's due, A.J. Dillon had a pretty good game. He carried uh, for um, 151 yards. Uh, and I think he was named ACC player or like team or something like that. Um, so he did get, did get honored. So, you know, congratulations to him. He had a decent enough game. Um, play calling to me was a little bit odd. Um, and I'm curious um, what your your outlook is, uh, Patrick. If you can get your uh, uh, equipment fixed. Um, so one thing we've been talking about these past two weeks is sort of the role of Zay Flowers. And Zay Flowers is like this, this you know, this freshman phenom. He, you know, everybody like is is so high on him, and he's such an incredibly talented and gifted athlete. I, I, where was he? Um, like he was, I, I don't have targets here, but he, he only had one catch. He only carried the ball twice. And like, it, it felt like he didn't even get that when we we're watching it. Uh, the, the game, like he was just so much of a non-factor and, um, I'm curious why, um, the, why everything was kind of so shifted because you, he went from, from being like this, this, you know, electric target. Um, to just being kind of a, a non-factor, and I'm I, I'm I'm mystified as to why that is. Yeah, I don't really recall. If you can hear me now. Um, yeah, I got you now. I don't, I don't really recall ever hearing his name called, um, which I think is a sign that either he struggled against a bit stiffer competition, or he wasn't in the game plan or was used mostly the diversion. I didn't really sort of even think about him as I did it. As I looked at it, it if he's not in the game plan, it's mystifying why. Yeah. I mean, you can use him as a diversion, but I I won't pretend to think that, you know, Steve Adazio is smart enough to do that. No offense to Steve Adazio, but I think that's... No, all the offense to Steve Adazio. Fair. Um, I guess... I don't know, to me, BC's game plan in the first half was right. And I guess maybe, I mean, I guess you can sort of put it on a little bit of just like, you know, regression to the mean, a little bit of second half adjustments by Les Miles. Because 
say what you want about Miles, you know, and his limitations as a coach, he's always been able to put together a solid defense. And even if you look at sort of Kansas's last couple of games, um, where they're struggling against pretty teams, he's always had good defenses. He's never had an issue with that. Like in the games that he's been sort of losing, even like that is like you you your defense held him to thirteen points. Like that's pretty solid. You can never be really too upset at that. Um, so I think you as a coach, I, uh, I think the point that BC fans need to be really exasperated about now is that this seems to be sort of a trend of just like disappearances in the second half, or the offense gets off to a good start and then it's sort of like. All right, guys, what happened? Like, where'd we go? Um, because it seemed to me like, you know, what – and I give Kansas, Kansas credit for this. It's like Kansas never let off the gas, right? And they sort of – you could see that they had a clear game plan of um, – it was a few early sort of chunk plays through the air that were going to give – Carter Stanley some confidence that was going to make BC sort of less key in on the run. And then they ran Puka Williams Jr. and Cleo Herbert on BC's throat, but around BC completely. Um, and then they sort of figured out that they were getting so much on the ground, they could just run these sort of play action, run pass options, and almost always have a 10-yard gain. Um, and BC needs to wonder why they didn't come out with a like sort of comprehensive game plan like that. And maybe you know Les Miles didn't have to go to sort of like a secondary thing because Kansas wasn't stopped by BC all day. But it's it's such a bad loss because there's so much. It's not like it's like one guy or one unit making a mistake or failing their job. It was just a complete and total failure by the defense throughout the game. And then a collapse, sort of a, a chaos spreading to the offense in the second half. And you're like, oh, God. Like, I'm mad that I paid money to see that game. Got stuck there. Yeah, I got stuck there. I'm mad that I paid money to see that. What the hell? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Uh, Can you hear me? I can hear you. Perfect. I've been here tonight, folks. Sorry for the problems. Uh, But, yeah, no, you definitely paid money for that, and you should feel bad. Yeah. And, you know, I just look at it, and I'm like, how that – I don't know. My – it is games like this that remind me so much of Steve Adazio's limitations as a coach and reminders. It's sort of a reminder every year um, because you have good games. You have like the Virginia tech game was such a high. Then you wallop Richmond and you're feeling good. And then, so there's some people who have been comparing this to to the Purdue game last year. um, Because it was like, Oh, it's like being bought into their own hype and they didn't come out playing. And that might be true. Right. Maybe BC didn't come out because they bought into their own chances to roll over. Um, so they never looked, you know, like they were trying. 
but like Purdue was a good team that had lost three games. I went back and looked at it. Three games by a cumulative eight points. This is a team, this is a Kansas team that was expected to lose by 21 by people who make a lot of money doing these spreads. Like, this is not like a, oh, like, oh, you know, people like, you know, you know, to like us and to AJ Black, like, oh, you're getting cocky. Like, we were cocky for a reason. Vegas was cocky for a reason. A lot of people were cocky for a reason. Like, Kansas is an, was an FCS team. And now, BC is also an FCS team or maybe competent. So, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say besides this game. Besides, it was just atrocious. And I was surprised that Steve Adazio even took some accountability for it. I mean, I mean, kind of had to at that point. Like, yeah, like, there's, there's, there's no way, there's around, no way it. around it. Your mic is super screwed up. I don't know what you just did. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm getting echo on it pretty hard. But um yeah, it's um I was surprised that he finally said like they didn't come out to play and that's on me and he's entirely right and it's something that I hope BC administration has long memories about because I think it's really I mean, I don't know, I, I'm notoriously short memory but also long vision, uh where I'm like, you know, and that's it. This is just one loss. It has not trashed the entire season. Um it makes the rest of the season a lot harder, and it makes my expectations for the team plummet back to earth. Because this is absolutely, that was absolutely a winnable game where if BC plays the way they do against Virginia Tech, they win it. And I, I, and this game reminded me that I'm ready to move on from Steve Adazio, not because it could be worse, because it could be worse, right? You can go back to the Spaz era, and you can go back to all sorts of things. This game reminded me that the Adazio era will always have unexpected and unforgivable performances and losses that are worth they're not worth putting yourself through if you're a fan or a program. And BC should at least have the hope that they can have a good year. And I don't even – at this point, I think that this, we – this game made me finally believe that we've hit the ceiling with Steven Desi. Um, so two quick things, and you can hear me, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, again, sorry, folks. Um, I'm not entirely sure why my, my microphone disconnected, but – it did, so I, I apologize for that. But two things I, I kind of want to touch on, um, just kind of in response to your point. Um, number one, I, I, you mentioned um, AJ like um, a, a little while ago. Um, I, I thought like he took a lot of flack um, for you know his his cockiness. Um, there isn't a man, woman, or child in the world who didn't think he was right going into that game. So. You know, honestly, like, I think people need to pump brakes a little bit in being critical of him. Uh, because based on what he had available to him, there was no way he could have anticipated 
um, this game happening. No, there's no one who could have could have believed that this game happened. I'm not entirely sure people in like Lawrence could could have uh, anticipated a game like this happening. Um, it was just kind of so out of the blue, with, with like no real um, run up, uh, or, like or really any, any indication that a game like this could happen. That like it, it's it, it's just kind of unbelievable. Um, so you know everybody just kind of pumped the brakes on this. Um, you know, he obviously was wrong. We were wrong. Naraj was wrong. We we were all wrong. Nobody got this right. Vegas so was kind bad. Of, I'm sorry. Vegas makes a lot. Vegas makes a lot more money than you or I do, and they are usually right. And they were wrong by a mile. Yeah, they were very wrong. So everybody just kind of pumped the brakes on him. Um, you know, like he he, um, he had an honest um, honest prediction. Um, and he got it wrong, but so did we. So if you want to yell at somebody, yell at us too. Um, the second thing I kind of want to say, and just kind of back to your point, um, my, I, I, to me, like, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I am officially, firmly, no longer hedging in the fire Steve Adazio camp. Um, I, I don't think there's any point any, anymore in justifying keeping him. Um, because it is clear that he has hit a ceiling. Uh, it's clear that games like this are going to continue to happen because, you know, we had Purdue last year too. Let, let's not forget that. It's clear that, like, games like this can happen. And right now I'm not convinced that he has the ability to sort of recover from this. Um, I really don't. You know, he, we definitely had our good moments with him, um, but – you know, it's 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 been what seven eight years. Uh, it's time. It just feels like BC and like it feels like you're in like a stagnant relationship, and it's not bad, but like it's almost. I'm not in the point of where it's like the only reason there hasn't been because BC is so scared of doing something worse and not thinking of it as could we get someone better, and. I don't know who that person who is better is. And there were all sorts of comments on BCI about replacements for Adazio and Anthony Brown and Bill Sheridan and all sorts of players. And I'll be honest, most of them were really, really dumb. So the commenter who said that Matt McDonald could have led us to victory, Matt McDonald can't throw a football. Um, um, but yeah, it's it's. I think we're just at the point of where you know BC fans deserve to have hope for better, even if it isn't. Um, and I think the shelf would come in that not that BC would be the most appealing job on the market, but it is not. You know, a team team that is gonna potentially go winless in conference. It's one that with, you know, good coaching, if you think you can still reinstill a good defensive philosophy in here, it should be fine. Because this was like the collapse of even BC's best, the best parts of their team were just looked, looked terrible, right? Like, I was worried about the defensive line in the secondary going into the year. But the linebackers lost BC this game. Um, right? I thought that Anthony Brown and AJ Dillon would be fine, but they couldn't score on Kansas. It was just, it was a, 
I think fresh blood is necessary for both for all parties involved right now. And I hope that Martin Jarman seriously considers a more risky hire, if that makes sense. Someone who could, you know, might bottom out, but at this point, like, if he bottoms out, it, you know, if a team bottoms out in three years, it's two and ten, and we fire that coach, I would prefer that to this endless purgatory of, are we going to take the next step? Are we going to take the next step? Are we going to take the next step? It's just being teased, and you never, you know, get anything. So, yeah. Unforgivable loss, and I think, to me, it seals the coffin, on my opinion, to Steve Adesio. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think the long and short of it is, it, it, it's just abundantly clear at this point um, that there are like just any redeemable factors for Steve Adazio are are gone, um, and I just don't think that there's anything you can really do to justify keeping him at this point. Um, but. Again, we've we've been down this road though before, which which is the issue, um, and we 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 we've been down this road, and we we've been we've been down this road. Maybe not in in this circumstance, like in a, in a loss is bad, but we we've, we've been down this road where BC you know, suffer, like just falls completely short of what, what we're expecting. And um, the consensus amongst the fan base is to fire Adazio, because, because this is not the first time we've had this conversation. Not the first time we've had this conversation um, in two, year, oh, two years. Like we've, we've had, we had this conversation last year. Um, and Martin Jarman didn't pull the trigger. And a lot of people, including myself, thought he should have. Um, so at this point, I, 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 I don't know. I, I really, really wish I knew what, um, what, what, what the bottom is at this point. Like what, I don't know where the line is to get Steve Adazio fired because at this point I feel like he's crossed it. It, it crossed any reasonable line um, that should be out there, but apparently yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I'm i at the point of where sort of my approach to it is um, I've always believed people change, but you can't change people. And Steve Adazio, we cannot make Steve Adazio an adept and aggressive play caller who brings his teams out with the same intensity every week. And he's also shown that he's not about to become that person. And so I've sort of always, I've always counseled patience because I usually just think rush into firings probably more often than they should. I think there's a lot of guys who have given a little bit more time might have been able to do it. And I think that you also need to be realistic about what you can get. But this is this was this was unforgivable. Enough times in my experience to simply say that Steven Dazzy is not worth retaining anymore. So I guess we're on to Rutgers. Yeah. If BC doesn't win this game, I may not watch another game this year. Um, yeah, we just canceled the rest of our, our 
radio show. We apparently yeah, everything's I think everything's apparently breaking over here on our end. So uh, if <laughs> if BC loses to Rutgers, we might just have one burn everything down radio show and then just not fix everything. Yep. So let's look on to uh, you know, let's on to Rutgers. Um, you know, I have her in my notes. If uh, BC loses on BC loses this game, then I should be fired on the plane. Um, uh, that that's charitable. I think he should be fired before he gets to the locker room. Fair. Um, right. This is a Rutgers team who uh, won versus UMass, um, who was a bottom five team, but had to come back from down twenty-one to seven to win that game. And they were absolutely obliterated by Iowa. And Iowa's a good team. Iowa's a better team than BC. Um, but this is a game that BC should win. Again. Like I've said, past Steve Adazio has shown that he can do that. And I hope that this team comes out willing to play decisively and angry and disciplined football. Um, even though a lot of times those two are contradictory and win this game. Um, Quarterback for Rutgers, McLean Carter, is not that good of a passer. He's a pocket Well, he's passer. also not playing. Is he officially out? Yeah, they, 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 it just came over the wire um, a couple hours ago. So it's going to be Artur Sitowski. Well, McLean went 6 of 16, and then Sitowski had 19 yards on 11 attempts against Iowa. The team had 125 yards total, and that's a really good Iowa defense, but – you know, 125 yards, like, usually when a defense, good defense has a good game, it's like, hey, we held them to, like, 250 total yards. Like, that is an performance. They've got solid, uh, Rutgers have got a pretty solid defense. Their third down defense has been pretty good. That's because they have a pretty talented secondary, um, who's usually, they can get their opposing teams into third and medium, sort of force them to pass, and then Adam Corsack is an amazing punter. And I think in a game where a field position becomes important, I think Rutgers has the edge there. Um, he was the Red Guy Award winner for last week. He had a ton of great punts inside the 20, inside the 5, inside the 10. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'd also expect, quite frankly, that this is a must-win game for Rutgers head coach Chris Ash. Um, he is really – he's at a – top stint there. Rutgers is the laughing stock of the Big Ten. Um, perhaps even more so than Kansas is for the Big 12. Uh, because Kansas at least is competitive with the some teams in the Big 12. Rutgers has been blown out repeatedly by the top of the Big Ten. Um, so I would honestly expect Chris Ash to call this game like a cornered animal and really start taking a lot of risks. Um, which is something that I think PC needs be prepared just in case they do take those risks. And then my other general opinion is that um, I actually watched a lot of defensive coordinator Andy Buh um, for Rutgers. Uh, he was Cal's defensive coordinator, so I watched a lot of him growing up. Uh, and he's the worst defensive coordinator I've seen in my life. His teams can't tackle. They're not disciplined. And he's super aggressive, but somehow doesn't get pressure. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, shootout. 
Question yeah, like I, I, I really can't disagree with any of that. Um, other, like, and again, I just kind of run to reiterate. Um, you know, th- this is a game that was never particularly like. It was always going to, according to ESPN, this game is always going to be competitive. I think we, I think the games started at like sixty percent BC um, at the beginning of the year. I think, and I think that was partially due to on um, the home field. It's a fifty-fifty game right now. Go to ESPN right now. It's a 50-50 game. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's put up or shut up. Um, if, you know, if, if y'all want to, uh, if y'all want to, you know, just kind of maintain the status quo and don't take these, t- these opponents seriously, you had your wake-up call last week. And if, you, and if you did not take that wake-up call last week and go into this game and take this opponent seriously, which you clearly did not against Kansas. Guess what? It's, it's, it's like this. Is, this is a team, not a Rutgers to take. You should take lightly. This is a team that can that can absolutely win this game. It's and it's at their place, and it's their fan base um, in the stands, and they want to win, um, and they want to win for their coach. Um, so, if they don't take this game seriously, meaning BC. This is a game that can they can get run over in, and it's it, it's a game that if if BC loses, I, I, I there's just no justifying keeping Stevie that long. It it just needs to be over. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they've got to take the over. I mean, this is not a good defense, um, and yeah, I mean, BC should win this game. But this point, I am honestly, I am so confused and unsure about this BC team going forward that I don't feel comfortable with anything. Um, and I hope that BC – there's two ways that BC can play on Saturday, um, feeling this. They can either play scared or they can play like their life depends on it. I really hope they play like their life depends on it because – If they lose this game, it's inexcusable, and I will be done for the season. I will probably not watch another. Maybe I'll watch the Notre Dame game um, because it will probably be on primetime TV or something like that. But the rest of them, it's like I. There's more productive things to do with my Saturday, and there's better football that I can watch. Better football that you as a fan can watch, right? A lot of good games this weekend. Don't waste it on a team that could lose. If a team loses to Rutgers in Kansas, they're not worth watching. And put that as the tweet for this. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, no, like, I, I, will, I will absolutely do that. Next week, if a team that were loses to Rutgers in Kansas would not be worth watching. Because that is, oh, God. Ugh, I'm, just, I'm mad at the very idea that it's possible. Um, so It's a 50-50 game! Like, that's a crazy thing. It could happen. It might happen. It has a pretty good chance of happening. Yeah, no, it, it, it does. I will say, I believe another thing that this game reminded me, that the Kansas game reminded me, it's very important, is that you should not take small sample sizes and extrapolate too much from them. BC had played two games, and you, I, and everyone else was feeling really confident, and that was totally undeserved. 
BC lost one game badly. Take it into account, but do not overweigh it and do not overweigh it compared to the other games you have seen this year, right? BC should win this game. I think BC's chances of winning this game are better than 50.2%. I wouldn't put it at 75 or 90%, but I would put it at 60 or 60-something, like low 60, um, because this is a better team than Rutgers is. But, you know, momentum is a thing. It's more of a thing in amateur sports than it is in pro sports. And I will watch on Saturday with just, like, terrified of what could happen. And on that note, I think, do you have anything else, or? Nah, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, this is. I hate looking at our game against Rutgers and saying that it's a make-or-break game, but it's a make-or-break game. So, yeah. BC can still have a successful season, right? The ACC is weak this year, and not that it opens it up for, you know, BC to compete for the ACC or the AC Atlantic title, um, but it does mean that, you know, games that I previously thought were going to be um, you know, Wake Forest. You know, two weeks ago, I was like, that's a win. Um, it's not a win anymore. Game against Louisville, that, you know, two weeks ago, I was like, that's a win. Not not necessarily a win anymore. The game against Syracuse, um, that was like, that's a loss. Not necessarily a loss anymore. Um, the ACC, is, with the exception of Clemson, is not good this year. Um, right? Looking at BC's schedule, of the teams left, Rutgers, Wake Forest, Louisville, um, NC State, Syracuse, and Florida State, and Pitt are not good teams. And BC has a chance in any of those games. Um, yeah, let's move on to the question um, and hope that we actually do not have a question tonight. Um, Laura did not get back to me. Uh, ah, so instead, yeah. I've got a question for you. Fire away. Um, so if BC loses to Rutgers, what is your choice as your fallback sport? Um, for BC or just in general? Let's say for BC. For BC, well, it's not going to be a good year for basketball, so uh, I would not. Um, there's nothing more like, as someone who like follows BC basketball, this is sort of totally unrelated, but uh, John Rothstein, who's like the guy for BC, for sorry, for college basketball news, posted a thing the other day that was like, honestly, you know, BC looks pretty okay here in the here. They have some questions here. It's like, no, BC has questions everywhere except center. Um, and it's really, it's really funny to watch national guys be so wrong about your team, um, which is just a habit of watching every single game from a certain team. Uh, my backup score at BC, I mean, I guess I'd be waiting for hockey season. Um, like, uh, you know, that's like your best, that's your best bet for right now. Volleyball is doing pretty well. Um, 
I don't remember the last time. I don't think I've ever seen a BC women's volleyball game. I support winning teams. Um, and then generally, uh, the A's are currently, yeah, I'm an Oakland A's fan uh, to my core. They're currently in a pretty competitive wild card uh, race, um, and they're leading that. So I will be tuning into all those games over the next couple weeks and hoping for the best. So, uh, yeah. Also, Cal football. I'm a, you know, Cal football looks like they have no offense, but they have the world's best defense. And so I'm all aboard that. So just catch me not watching BC football if they lose this game. What about you, Arthur? So I'm going to say one of the soccers are, are, is probably my backup sport. Uh, men's soccer looks pretty good. Uh, they had a pretty good start to the season. Um, it looks like they have a really solid uh, keeper on net um, who um, had a few clean sheets going in. He he ended up losing his streak. Uh, it was Giacomo uh, Picardo, by the way. He had, um, I, think, I think he started the season like two or three clean sheets before he conceded a goal um, against URI. They, they lost a pretty competitive game against NC State um, last weekend. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to like about that team. Um, so I uh, – and in women's soccer, you know, women's soccer looks like they, they have like a lot of, um, of potential coming in. Um, they just lost tonight in a very, very gritty game against Florida State. Sam Smith is going to be uh, a huge, huge player for BC. Um, so definitely um, one of the soccers um, should be uh, something to keep an eye on. And, you know, I, I think men's hockey is going to definitely bounce back. Um, exactly how much, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's definitely you can hope that men's hockey, that men's hockey can get the uh, get the bounce back. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yes, that's it for our show. Uh, welcome to the depressing show where we leave with no hope and hoping to meet the worst team in the Big Ten and having questions. Yeah. yeah. So, with that, um, that uh, signing off for Patrick Toppin, this is Arthur Balin and Try, please, 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 to enjoy the games this week. Please don't yell at us if BC loses. We don't like it any more than you do. Um, and we'll maybe we should see you next week. Um, assuming, uh, well, we will definitely have a show next week to talk about uh, the Rockers, uh, win or lose, and then we'll see where we go from there. Uh, so for Arthur and, and, and Patrick, what we, we say good night and uh, go BC. Go Eagle. I guess. I guess.